When you think of comfort and ease, what do you think of when you think of comfort and ease? You know what I think about sometimes? Especially since I've got three littles and now a furry little. I think about kids are sleeping, the new puppy's on my lap, Jen and I are drinking Tension Tamer herbal tea, and we're watching, we're watching the Edmonton Oilers beat the San Jose Sharks. Or, or we're watching the Los Angeles Lakers beat the Golden State Warriors. Okay, so I'm not making any friends here this morning. That's a, these are, these are childhood faves. That's the way it is. Um, but that, that's a picture of comfort to me. Nice relaxing evening, uh, watching some of my favorite sports and spending time with Jen and relaxing and there's, and the littles are sleeping. Okay, that's, that's comfort and ease. What do you think of? Just go there for a second. And while you're doing that, Ed, go ahead, pop up the weather report here. Uh, it's a matter of perspective, okay? I know it's been, it's been pretty cold in Fresno lately. There's been a lot of rain. The snow is packed in the mountains. And meanwhile, my family, uh, do you know what the wind chill is? I'm not going to explain it, but it makes, it makes the temperature feel even colder, okay? So my family's enjoying minus 53, minus 50, minus 47. Now that's Celsius, but just get this. I think at minus 40 Fahrenheit, that's also minus 40 Celsius. So, Cold is cold. Uh, just, just, just to give you an idea, ease is a matter of comfort and perspective. So when we, when we complain about cold weather, there are other wonderful people that are really experiencing cold weather, okay? So it's, it's a little bit relative, but think about what, what ease and comfort would look like for you. When we think of comfort, we're thinking of ease and relaxation, but the interesting thing here is the original meaning of this Greek word is closer to encouragement. It's not actually meant to be about ease and comfort. It's about encouragement. It's a comfort that encourages. But the word does not imply that God will necessarily rescue his people from every discomfort of life. Now listen, God's a deliverer. He's a rescuer. He's a healer. But he's not a genie, so we don't get to pick and choose when those things happen. Okay, So sometimes God is going to bring us encouragement instead of taking away something. That's difficult. So he gives, instead of always rescuing, God gives us tools, training, and guidance to endure the problems of this life. That's why Jesus uses the same word for the Holy Spirit in John fourteen sixteen, Because the Holy Spirit is the encourager, the comforter. Now some of us have some resistance to this idea that we're going to experience some sadness, some trouble, some challenges in our life. And that somehow these things can teach us or grow us into maturity. I get it. It's tough. Especially in our culture. We're a, we're, we're a culture of ease, comfort, gratification now. And we've become accustomed to that. Look at this quote from Pastor Peter Cesaro. He pastors a church in Queens, New York. He's authored a number of books. This is what he says in Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. There's no greater disaster in the spiritual life than to be immersed in unreality. In fact, the true spiritual life is not an escape from reality, but an absolute commitment to it. Loss marks the place where self-knowledge and powerful transformation happen. Read that again. Loss marks the place where self-knowledge and powerful transformation can happen if we have the courage to fully, to participate fully in the process. So, there it is. It's, it's not what we want, 
But for those of us that have experienced loss, a deep sense of sadness, struggled with depression, had troubles and trials in life, we know this to be true. Loss is the place where transformation happens as we allow God to be a God of comfort and encouragement in our lives. But we don't want to experience these things. But guess what Jesus says? Look what he says in John 16.33b. Here on earth you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. I have overcome the world. The NIV says you will have trouble. Some of you might feel like, hey, this, this past year has been a year of trouble or a year of loss or pain. So you know these things to be true. Now there are a number of purposes for troubles, trials, and sorrows in our lives, but Paul emphasizes one of these in verse 4 in our passage today. Look at verse 4. It says this, He comforts us in our troubles so that we can comfort others. He comforts us in our troubles so that we can comfort others. When they are troubled, we will be able to give them the same comfort God has given us. So God comforts or encourages us so that, so that what? So that we can do the same to someone else. So that we can be an extension of Christ to someone else. So we can be the body of Christ together, encouraging one another. Our ability to emphasize, to empathize with another comes from our first-hand experiences in life. And those are varied for each one of us. But it's in those experiences we learn how to hang on during the hard times with God's help and strength. And as we hang on, it can often feel like competing emotions in our head. Do you try to put to practice 2 Corinthians 10.5? Take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. When you've got all these emotions swirling around, those have to be evaluated based on the truth of Scripture and our faith in Christ. You take every thought captive and submit it to Christ. Submit it to the washing of, of the Word, to the work of the Holy Spirit, to the community that you surround yourself with, the church community. We have many ways to kind of test all these competing emotions that are going on um, in our head. We can feel this. We can feel them rattling around, ramping up. It's stressful at times. This reminds me of a great animated movie. Not the Emoji movie. Don't watch that one. Um, Inside Out. Inside Out is a great animated film. Uh, helpful to watch with your kids if, if they're old enough and appropriate. But for any of us, just to kind of get this picture of all these competing emotions, I want to show you a brief clip. Uh, this, this, this movie is about a young girl named Riley, and she has five personified emotions rattling around in her head. Joy, sadness, anger, fear, and disgust. And they're battling it out, and they're trying to lead her through her life's challenges as her family moves from Minnesota to San Francisco. Check out this brief clip from Inside Out. Okay, so that control center was like her mind or her heart with all, all the emotions and they're battling it out and you can see joy is trying to like stomp out the, no, no, you know, think happy thoughts, do this, do that. That's what we do. We have, we try to like kind of psych ourselves up for this, that or the other. We try to push away this emotion or that. Uh, it's a, it's a real experience. Um, but emotions can help us kind of evaluate where we're at and they are often attached to some of the most defining spiritual moments in our life. So right now I want you to take out, if you've got um, 
pen and paper, take that out. Or if you've got a phone and a notepad, or if you're really sharp and you just want to make a note in your mind, that's great. But I want you to think about the difficult times in this past year. Okay, last 12 months, jot down two or three, or make a note of two or three difficult times in the last year, and write this specifically. Now looking back on that, how did, how did God come through for you? Was it a circumstance that changed? Was it a person, a friend, a family member, somebody from church, someone from your connection group or class, someone, someone was there for you? Was it that? Um, how did you eventually endure the situation or get encouragement? Okay. Now if that, if you came through that, that can become a spiritual marker in your life. We should make a practice of evaluating our lives throughout our lives. And if you evaluate, say, 20, you know, if you're, okay. So I just turned 40, so now I can evaluate like many dec- a couple decades. But if you can evaluate as far back as you can, you should have maybe three to five really defined spiritual markers in your life that really are things that you can look back to to see God's faithfulness. So the next time something hard comes up, you look back to that and you recount God's faithfulness in your life. So that's what I want you to do. Think about these things for the past year. And how did God come through for you? And let that encourage you as you move forward. Now, if maybe you're in the midst of something still, or maybe God, in a sense, hasn't come through for you in that situation yet. So you're still waiting. You're still waiting. Go back further. Go back further until you can remember a time where God came through. That was a spiritual marker that you set up somewhere and you're like, hey, when I was, when I was 15 or 20 or 25 or whatever I was, that's when God came through for me. Remembering that can give you the, the inspiration, the encouragement to keep waiting upon God, to keep knowing that God's going to come through in your situation. Now these painful experiences uh, are painful, but they're necessary, and they help us. They help us grow. Oftentimes we feel like just giving up, but we can't. We have to hang on. We have to trust that God's got a way forward in the midst of our sadness, in the midst of our troubles or trials. In Alpha this week, we talked about how we how one can have faith, and in Alpha, an interesting quote was shared uh, from Corey Ten Boom. She was a Dutch follower of Christ, and she helped many Jews escape the Nazi Holocaust by hiding them in her in her family's home before they were all sent to the camp, concentration camp as well. But look at this quote from Corey Ten Boom: "When a train goes through a dark through a tunnel and it gets dark, you don't throw away the ticket and jump off. You sit still and trust the engineer." Okay, when a train goes through a tunnel and, and it gets dark, you don't bail. You're in a tunnel. It's, you don't jump off and just bail from the situation. Or turn to something that's not gonna help you. Or, you know, self-medicate. Or get angry at people. You don't, you don't jump off. You sit still and you trust the engineer. And how do you do that? By remembering the times that God was faithful before. So it's really important to take note of those those times. If you do the R&R journal, all you have to do is grab your previous R&R journals and take a look at all those, those, those prayers that you wrote down and how God may have answered them over time. Or whatever system you use for kind of 
cataloging your prayers. I think of, I'll, I'll never forget this. I visited Pastor Les Mark maybe a year before he died. I went over to his house. Great guy from, from Bethany Church. And he was typing out his prayers on his computer. And every day he would type out a page or two of prayers and put them in a binder. Close it up. But he could go back a year, two years, three years, and he could tell you what his prayer requests were on that day. And then he could tell you if they were, how they were answered. So it's a great reminder that when things get dark, we don't throw away the ticket and jump off the train. We sit still and we trust, we trust the engineer. The engineer is God. Verse five expands on this theme of, of comfort from God in the midst of trouble or sadness. It says this, for the more we suffer, for Christ, the more God will shower us with His comfort through Christ. So Paul had this interesting view of suffering. He says the more that we suffer for Christ, the more we're going to experience encouragement through Christ. And Paul expected to suffer in his life and in his ministry because he was following Jesus wholeheartedly. Jesus said in John fifteen twenty, No servant is greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you. Also, so Jesus' warning was very real to the early church because they experienced such strong persecution, and so, so does much of the church today throughout the world. And the Apostle Paul was no stranger to this hardship. He had been insulted, chased out of cities by angry mobs, beaten, thrown in prison, stoned, left for dead. There were murder plots against his life. But Paul clearly understood that God doesn't always protect from suffering. In our culture, as we've talked about, we expect this instant relief, instant cures. We pursue comfort and ease. But Paul viewed suffering in a radically different way. According to Paul, suffering, trials, troubles associated with the advancement of God's kingdom is God's way of allowing Christians to become more like Jesus, to suffer for the gospel just like Jesus did. And so while we may not suffer severe persecution in our setting, as in some areas of the world, we still suffer under the curse of sin, the stain of sin in this world that we live in today. Illness, disease, the wreckage of relationships gone wrong, we suffer under the reality of sin in our world. And suffering can not only help us draw near to God, but it can help us grow in our faith. That's the uncomfortable truth. I know looking back on my life, the times that I've grown deeper in my trust of God are the hard times. It was the three months of nonstop headaches that no doctor or anyone could figure out. Um, be prayed, be prayed for at church every week, and yet the, the headaches persist. That, that was a time where I really had to look back to when God was faithful to get through those three months. For, for others of you, there's been even more profound struggles of health or relationship breakdown or whatever's happening. Uh, it's difficult to deal with these things. But suffering is that necessary pain that accompanies spiritual growth. Because our ultimate goal is to become more Christ-like. I I go to Philippians 2 often, and I'll tell you why. In Philippians 2, you've got the incarnation. Jesus sets aside His own divine rights and privileges, and He adds humanity to His nature, and He suffers, even becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Because Jesus did that, I know that He can help me in any any suffering, any trial, any trouble that I might be going through. Because what Jesus did in the Incarnation, 
It's incredible, the fact that He laid down His life for you and for I. 1 Corinthians tells us that if one member suffers, we all suffer. And if one member is honored, we all rejoice together. That's the unity of the body of Christ. Earlier this week, the Friesen family lost their son, Davy, and we, we suffer along with David and Shirley as they mourn, as they mourn his temporary loss. We also extend comfort and look forward to honoring his life next Sunday. And we do that together as a church family. That's how it works. If one member suffers, we all suffer. Now, for those of us who follow Jesus, our suffering is only on this side of eternity. When we're weighed down with troubles and sadness, we have to keep this eternal perspective. We're saved. We have salvation, hope, and a glorious future in Jesus. But as we look forward to our salvation in the here and now, we can receive comfort and patiently endure whatever comes our way. And enduring is not something that we're, we're necessarily good at because of our culture. But God is going to equip us to endure every trouble that comes our way. Those on the other side of endurance know how to keep, know how to keep going and how to bring comfort to others. I think about our grief share ministry. I think about people from our church going through, through regen ministry with the hopes of, of, of launching that in our context in the future. Others attending AA, Celebrate Recovery Elsewhere, Divorce Care. All of these ministries are full of people that have walked this path of some type of suffering, deep sadness. And when they come through that, they are ministers of Christ equipped to help and comfort people. So that that greatly encourages me knowing that even in our own family here at Bethany and beyond, we have people that are equipped to bring comfort to people and help in times of deep, deep sadness. I'd like to invite the worship team to come forward as we get ready to conclude this morning. In the last verse, in verse 7, Paul says this, We are confident that as you share in our sufferings, you will also share in the comfort God gives us. The NIV says, In our hope for you is firm. Our hope for you is firm. You see, Paul's hope for the Corinthians was confident because he knew that their struggles were for the advancement of the gospel and that God was going to come through with his encouragement. God was going to come through with his comfort. God was going to come through with his strength. So do you feel like you could accept the Apostle Paul saying to you this morning, my hope for you is firm in the midst of whatever you're going through? Because it's not some subjective thing. It's, it's, it's based, this hope that Paul's communicating is based on the solid foundation of Jesus Christ and what he's done for each one of us. So if you're struggling today with a deep sadness, a trial in life, depression or anxiety, you're in good company. Later in this chapter, Paul uh, even talks about being crushed overwhelmed beyond his ability to endure. He even says that he despaired of life itself. This is the Apostle Paul. Despaired of life itself. He had a profound experience of depression for a key leader of the early church. And I want you to know that being a Christian doesn't exempt you from pressure, from stress, from anxiety, from depression. But you can reach out for help. As, as followers of Jesus, we believe that all healing is from God. All healing is from God. 
the insights from the medical profession, mental health profession, God's Word, miracles, God using His people to come around us. All of this is part of the healing process at times. So if you need to reach out, reach out for help. If you're struggling with a profound sadness or depression or a trial or a trouble in life that's just overwhelming you, reach out. Our pastoral staff would be happy to meet with you and even connect you to further help if needed. We have some incredible resources in our valley around the area of Christian counseling and other resources. So any of us on the pastoral staff would be more than happy to meet with you. Connect in community. Reach out by getting connected in community. You need you need a group to do life with. Join a class, join a connection group, serve on a ministry team, find some people that can be supportive to you, people that are safe people for you to share the challenges of life. Pray with a prayer team member. Each week we have a prayer team available during our worship set at the side, sometimes at the back. Come forward for prayer. Come Thursday morning to prayer at 11 a.m. Come Sunday mornings at 9.35 as we pray prior to the service. But reach out for some prayer support. And finally, give your life to Jesus. If you're carrying burdens that are meant to be carried by Jesus, come to Jesus and give up those burdens. If you're not a follower of Jesus and you would like to trade uh, every weight on your shoulder, the weight of sin, the weight of poor choices, the weight of... Uh, all sorts of challenges in your life. You'd like to trade that and receive from Jesus peace, joy, a hope for a future, eternity with Jesus, a family of people that care and, and, and love you. Then come to Jesus today. Let's close in prayer at this time. Great God, thank you for the gift of your son Jesus. Jesus, thank you for going to the cross, for setting aside your, your divine rights and privileges and going to the cross for us to pay for every sin. God, we just receive your comfort today. Whatever we're dealing with, we receive your encouragement. God, bring to our mind every spiritual marker from our past, every time you've been faithful to us. Bring those to our mind, God, that we can have hope again, that we can trust in your good plan for our lives, to lead us through every pain, every time of deep sadness, every trouble, every trial. Jesus, thank you that you're inviting us to come to you, whether for the first time or yet again. Your arms are wide open. And Jesus, we come to you with our burdens this morning. We proclaim that our trust is in you and we receive from you this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.